Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You're listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech athletics podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I am your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Hey, I remembered to unmute. That's a good sign. It's a good start. We're, we're, we're off to a an excellent you know, 17-0 start right now. Let's go. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing. I was Nothing trying to think. Like, we don't we don't play seventeen games in a season, Michael. And then I was like, oh, yeah, because I've already wiped it from my memory. Smart. Uh, getting ready for the fourteen and one run. That's that's what this is. Oh, okay. Getting ready to run off fourteen in a row. Um, I'd say maybe thirteen in a row, but I don't know if you yeah, can make because we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I don't know if you can make a play ahead of ourselves here. Uh, no, if there's a time to lose, if there's a time to lose, it's week one. No one cares. What about week two? September, if week two is pretty good to lose. I mean, like the whole month of September, it's a pretty good time to lose. No one really cares. Then they'll, you know, once you get back up to 10 and two or whatever by... December, all is forgiven. I feel like if we got to 10 and 2 in December, we'd be like, man, we let one get away. (laughs) Probably. Is it going to be these two? I'm a... I'm softening. You do have my, to talk, you know. I'm, I'm softening <laughs> on my, my confidence in this week. Okay. Last week, I thought Fair by enough. Sunday, uh, whatever Sunday's date is this weekend, the 10th. Yeah. Sunday the 10th. Tech Tech will Sounds be good. 2 and 0. I'm fairly convinced they'll be 0 and 2. Well, I thought they'd be 1 and 1, so there's still a chance. Oh, there's still a chance. Still win the game. We're in good um, shape. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about the this last weekend's game. We have a final wrap up on it, and then look ahead to Oregon. Um, and maybe because I, I I was just being hopeful and, and, and buying into the hype, but uh, uh, doing the um, the prep for this week's episode, it's pretty bleak. We'll get into that. <laughs> I, sorry, it's bleak from my perspective. Let's put it that way. Um, but there's a reason why they don't just look at the numbers like, okay, well, this team's better than A, A is better than B, so A is going to win this one and move on. Um, 
Because obviously, if they'd done that, he would have won this weekend against Wyoming. But things happen when you play the game. So we will get into that. Um, get you our predictions for the game, how we think it may go. Uh, get some updates for the game itself. Uh, there's a stripe out this weekend. The new LED system is up and running. Uh, that, that'll be pretty exciting for those that'll be in attendance. Uh, and if you're joining on the stream, we're gonna I'm gonna show you the the preview of it. Um, so be ready for that excitement in like an hour. <laughs> well, because you have just, to you have to plan your wardrobe. You've got to yeah, well, that too. Do some shopping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look around the Big Twelve for week two. Uh, tell you, well, I mean, I have no I have no sympathy for Kansas, but they played two Fridays in a row. Um, but look at the rest of the, look at the rest of the, the big 12. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's acceptable now to, to point and laugh at other teams that lost, but we may do that. Uh, okay. Commiserate with them, I guess. Hmm. Wrap it up with uh, questions and what do we learn? So what do you say we get started with some football, Michael? I, I think we should. Let's do it. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. A pump thing. And over the middle, it is caught. It's Martinez. Crossing pattern. There it is. Miles Price. He's got room. Down the sideline. Miles and miles and miles. 54 yards. A touchdown. Look at the end zone. Bradley. He's got it. What a start for Texas Tech. And handed off Brooks. Finds the hole. Brooks up the middle. And he's gone. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Daniels will go to throw, looking towards the end zone. It is Smith. Oh, and it's intercepted. Adrian Taylor Demerson. Morton runs it over the middle, and it's caught. Bradley breaks a tackle, sprints in the end zone, and touchdown, Texas Tech. Shot winds up the deep ball, sideline, caught. Touchdown, Raider Raiders. What a throw. And now the senior scores. Senior moments. <laughs> Gabriel. And is it picked off? It is. Dagrian Taylor Demerson somehow rips away an interception. Designed quarterback run. Yes. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Looking for a punch. A man's open. Touchdown, Jared Bradley. Hand off Thompson. Again, the dead leg. Let's uh let's wrap up this Wyoming game, and then um and then we'll get to our Oregon preview. Um, you uh I don't know if everybody can see. It. I don't think they can, uh, if you're on the stream. But if you can't, Michael, you've got um 
your display name and, and, and Riverside tonight is third and seven. Why is that? Yeah, third and seven. I, I went back and thought I was a little surprised at how seldom Texas Tech went for it on fourth down, but it seemed like the down and distance always just was a little further than probably what they needed. You know, the commentators kept harping on the magic number, but that's kind of how it works, really, where you are on the field, even probably the score of the game, all these factors come into play. But Texas Tech only had two fourth down attempts on the game. They converted them both. But I think I found out why. I didn't go through and determine exactly what the distance was on every single fourth down, but third down was an easy one I could look up. So average third down distance was third and seven. Seven every time they lined yards, up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that's, that's tough to gain enough to make it four down territory, even for a team that is, you know, went for it 50 something times last year and was number one in the country. So that's not a good look to not have enough offense to even warrant a fourth and two to, to, to just be starting out at third and seven. So basically unless you got a first down, your first two plays are averaging 2.9 yards. Yeesh. Combined. Combined. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Your first two plays combined were 2.9 yards on average, unless you, got a first down then so one didn't point as much 1.4 yards per per play on first and second down um yeah on those third and sevens average of seven uh you averaged picking up four and a half yards you were only two and a half yards short every single time <laughs> you uh you did convert 41.2 percent of your third down seven of 17 you had a higher percentage than wyoming did they were 40 percent who were six of 15 on the on the night um on third and shorts between one and four yards you were four or five uh anything over you know nine plus you had four third and nine or longer and uh, you picked up two of those which is probably a pretty respectable rate for considering how many yards you need to pick up. But mm-hmm. um, anyways, third and seven, your average attempt, sorry, your average yards on that play was four and a half. Um, yeah. talk about big the, plays. The other thing I wanted to bring up were the penalties because we, yeah, we could talk about big plays. I mean, penalties were big too, but but what big plays did you have? Um, so you had nine passing plays of 15 or more yards. Did it feel like that, Michael? Certainly did not feel like that to me. You picked up a hundred. Were some of them yards after catch? Well, it had to be. Um, you picked up 197 passing yards on nine completions. Again, that like, that feels... Like my memory of the game does not does not hold that to be true, but statistically, you picked up 197 passing yards on nine attempts. Was um, that on the f- the first two and the last drive of the first half? Let's see. Um, so, yeah, your first possession, the drive started in the first quarter. 
12-23. So I would assume that was a Wyoming three and out, and you took the ball. Um, first and 10 from the 47, you had a 20-yard pass. Um, the next play, first and 10 from the 33, you had a 33-yard touchdown pass. Um, play 24, so the next drive, uh, second and three from the Wyoming 19, uh, you threw the 19-yard touchdown to York. Um, and then, so Michael, there's three right there. And there's already. three of them, uh, which accounted for, what is that, 53, 62, 72 yards, three of those plays. Um, quarter number two, play 76, so a whole 50 plays between your third and fourth big passing play. You had a 15-yard completion to Dre McCray. Um, and then 11 minutes later, with 29 seconds to go in the second quarter, so just before half, you had a 24-yard completion to Jordan Brown. Um, so I was close. Five of them were in the first half, and four of them were in the, four, were in the four, first two... No. The first two and last drive. Yeah, you had a... Um, well, no, you had one that was about nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Then you had two that were in the last drive of the fourth quarter. And then one in the... in overtime. So you... I'm just you had, not sure... You know, where where is this a complimentary offense when there's just not any consistency? at anything it's not there's not there's not consistent looks downfield there's not consistent success downfield there's screens with almost the that those are almost always the same success rate like two yards if you're lucky running the ball there's very little emphasis on that um i don't i don't know i, I don't know what what this does to play this fast if you're not able to put points on the board. I, uh, I agree. One more big play, Michael, was uh, you had one rush of 10 more yards. Um, so I was talking about the, uh, the last, the, the big passing play to Jordan Brown right before half. Uh, it was play number 112 where he had 24-yard pickup to Jordan Brown. Play 113, the very next play was a Tyler Shuck scramble for 12 yards. And that accounts for all of your big rushing plays of the night. <laughs> was a play that had like 10 seconds left on the clock. We've already got Steven in the in the chat just asking it, why we have to rehash Wyoming. This is what we do, Steve. Good question. It's this a good what, question. what we do. Um, cause it wasn't bad enough live. It wasn't bad enough in the instant reaction. We're going to do this one more time. Um, well, the instant reaction, I, I said this on Twitter and I, I texted my friend, the ace man about this. I was like, man, I actually, you know, I'd sat and watched the game. I, I was in the living room by myself. I was sober the entire game. You know, it's, it's not like I showed up hammered or something but man i just felt like the second we hit record i couldn't think of anything to say i took notes i had all sorts of stuff i had written down and kind of wanted to talk about but then the way things went at the end it just my brain exploded it just didn't seem like it i could come up with anything that would help or make sense 
of it all. So for those of you who endured that, I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for There's quite a few of you guys. Um, Also apologies. (laughs) My apologies to you for having to listen to me just stammer and not know what the heck to say for, for 40 minutes. Um, let's, uh, Let's move on to, to penalties. That's, that's the next thing you, you wanted to touch on. This is the last thing I really want, want to touch on, Wyoming, before we, we move on to our preview. Uh, you had seven penalties on the night for 68 yards. Only two of those penalties were on offense. You had two false starts. So you hope to be able to clean those up. Those are uh, being able to, to to focus, be ready, and know what's going on around you. Um. Michael, I look at the the defensive penalties. Four of them were personal fouls, which again, to me, they're like all it, backbreakers, man. If it, they, if they were appropriately officiated, this goes to show like a lack of discipline, right? That's something we talked a lot about in, in, in the Kingsbury years. You had just a metric s ton of discipline related penalties um, that would ultimately affect and impact games. Um, you had two that sustained drives that ended up in points for Wyoming. Um, well, I guess they probably all do. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I understand. Like I, I posted a picture of, of the, uh, the late hit out of bounds um, and got roasted on, on, on Twitter for it. But like, I'm, I'm going to stand by it and like, look, you can't call late hit out of bounds if the runner's foot is still in bounds. Like that's by definition, not out of bounds. So like, did it impact the game? Yeah. Did tech lose and, because and of I'm that one? Very... No, but still it's like if, the definition of late hit out of bounds is you hit a player that's already left the, the field of play. There's visible visible video evidence. Tyler Owens hits Andrew Peasley, Andrew Peasley standing in bounds. Now, because of the way that the quarterback juked right before he got hit and the push he received from Owens, he went flying on the sideline. Understand it looked bad, but if like, if you were to appreciate sure. that and go back and look late hit out of bounds, like, he made contact while they were inbounds. Like, what, what's he supposed to do? What, what's Tyler Owen supposed to do in that situation there? I don't know. The um, <clears throat> the targeting that was waved off, but it was still a, a personal foul. Like, I agree that it wasn't targeting. Had he made contact with, with the quarterback, it would have been for sure targeting. Like, understand like that. But if you're going to go back and like, you're going to call that, that that'll penalty and then review it and then have 18 video angles of an Andrew Peasley sliding and Josiah Pierre diving over him and making no contact with him. Like, I understand that's probably where you, you had the, the targeting removed, right? Cause he did not make contact with him. Again, I guess it goes back. If you can remove one part of the penalty, you should be able to remove both. Like if it's if you review it, like oh, actually that was not involved with what we thought we saw. Um, but well, and I know that you know Tech gets Tech gets this too. Everybody does that. The defenseless quarterback 
where he starts his slide. That's a that's such a tough call. That's an impossible call because the linebacker is already he's starting his tackle at maybe the exact same microsecond that Peasley was starting his slide. And you can see that on the replay too. It's not like it was clear and I'm going to hit the crap out of him. No, it was just, oh, I've got to get him down. And at the same time, they started making their moves. It, I, I get that's the rule, and I know that Tech benefits from it just as much as any other team. But to see that be called a penalty when it's obvious that it was not meant with malice and it was just it was kind of like the same thing you mentioned earlier when you have a foot on the sideline and someone pushes you out of bounds, even though the physics and the momentum of it makes it look worse. It is, it was still just a push out of bounds. Yep. And this was still just a, a an attempt to tackle someone fairly and not, you know, not try to harm the guy or anything, but just stop him from running up the middle. Yeah. And then uh, one more. You had one other point at the top. What do you mean? One other point at the top? I just don't want you to forget that one too. You said you, you had. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. Well, 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 let's, I have one more point on, on the okay. penalty that I want to talk about uh, what's been said since, since Saturday. <clears throat> there was one penalty that, or I guess one more penalty that, there's two. There's two more penalty on defense that I, I, I agree with. Um, one of them was the hands to the face that negated the interception, which was just unfortunate. Like that's one of those things where, like, man, had we had we been a little more careful and disciplined with our our, our hand action or our fighting there along the defensive line, that would have been a huge turnover and swing of momentum. But instead, it goes the other way. Uh, Braylon Lux steps in front of a pass, intercepts it, but gets called back with a hands of face on the defensive line. Um, it's unfortunate. The other thing. So I've seen quotes. I, I saw the video from uh, Coach McGuire, and then I, I've seen video from Bryce Ramirez. Um, both have made comments basically addressing fan reaction and disappointment after the game. And to me, comes off as... Um, it makes the fan base look worse. Like if I, I understand, like you want to, you want to make sure that we're, we're rallied around the team and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the positive from coach McGuire's comments, I don't know if you've seen it, Michael, but he says, you know, the fans can react how, how, how they want to react. I'm not going to tell them how to fan essentially. We're disappointed too. Um, but he's like, but we need support. We're like, we, 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 we need you guys in the stands on Saturday and all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's been one game. Like you, you, you're not going to lose. Yeah. Like you have a sellout. You're not going to lose people coming to the game because they're disappointed in one game. And then you get comments from Bryce Ramirez, but it even feels more desperate from him um, that they need fans in the stands for the, for the game. Um, I was like, Why, why, what, why are we so concerned after one game? Like one, a lot of us fans are, are, are frustrated that we, we, the team lost a game that we as fans expected to be able to win. 
um, a lot of us, myself included, were really uh, buying into the hype and the messages that were coming out from the the, the team all off season. Um, and it's not like you lo- like you lost a close game, um, but you didn't lose a close game to a a close opponent. Like I don't I don't think you can consider Wyoming. Um, a comparable team to Texas Tech. Um, I think a lot of fans were, were really, really frustrated with how just flat the team was offensively and defensively, uh, whether it was penalties or not being able to um, to produce the results that we expected. You know, you weren't an explosive offense. You weren't fast. You weren't efficient outside of three different drives on the night. Um, defensively, you had a couple of, stops on you know three and outs early you had a turnover that you know people forget about because it was wiped away um and then everything else is like wyoming kind of pushed you around so it's like when when you you've been talking to us for almost two years now about being the toughest hardest working um team in the country like that kind of goes out the window when you get outworked so I don't know. I, it, it felt desperate. It looks bad. It's week one. Um, I don't know. I think it's a bad look. I think it was weird. I agree. I think it was weird to pay that much attention. Like me. Or you listening or anybody else, you know, expressing some displeasure. And I think most are that we hang out with, we're not going to go just badgering somebody online or something like that, but people know ball. A lot of you guys listening and a lot of you gals listening know it a lot more than I do. That's for sure. And so you're able to see things that the ordinary fan isn't going to see and calling that out makes sense. You know, saying that someone was open on third and seven or whatever, or saying that, you know, that, that pass should have been to this receiver instead or, man, I, I like the defensive front there. I wish they'd have checked into a run or whatever. There's all sorts of different things that people can point out and be justified in saying so. We're all doing it with hindsight. But I, I, I'm surprised that it was to a point where the team addressed it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that desperate. I, I'm, I'm like you. I, I don't think there are people canceling hotel rooms. I don't think there are people, uh, you know, putting their briskets in the freezer because they're not going to come tailgate. I, I don't think there's any of that stuff going on. I think folks are still really excited to have a top 15 team come to town, uh, a team that Tech doesn't play, a team that's got a Heisman candidate or two on it. Or three. Um, or four. It's... <laughs> You know, yeah, or three. I know. I mean, and they put up 81 points on somebody this week without their, they have like a couple of running backs on an award list and one of them didn't even play. So I'm just, I thought it was odd too, to, you know, one, pay that much attention to it and two, think that the fans were truly going to be that displeased that they weren't going to show up this week. I mean, that's some stuff you do. I put this in the disc 
court. That's some stuff you do like in November if you've won four games and you want people to come out and support the seniors right. or something. That's the kind of stuff you do. Uh, but but not week two, man. Mm-mm. Yeah, so there are a couple of good points from the, the chat. Jack's got a shot, but I am kind of scared. <laughs> yeah, a couple of good, good points here in the chat. Um, one, uh, so Tad Landon says, wasn't Bryce Cokes into saying that by a reporter's question? I didn't hear the, 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 the question. The video just starts with him answering the question. So I don't have the context there. So maybe so. Um, you know, maybe he was asked to give a message to the fans, but again, like you could have answered that in a way that like says that we're, we're still hungry. We're still, we're still going to play the game as, as hard as we can. And, and we're going to give our, our best effort, whatever, as opposed to, we really need you there guys. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, he also shared, well, and I'm not, I'm not trying to fault Ramirez as much. You know, I feel like McGuire, Ramirez addressing it just kind of as it gained more traction than it probably should have. And he's a player, you know, players are going to say things unprompted, but McGuire knows, knows what he's saying. And he, I don't know if I agree with his tactic to address that as much as he did in the press conference. Yeah. Um, Go back to the point that I was making earlier about uh, this being a game that Tex Tech was expected to win. Um, the same commenter, Tad Landon, um, said, doing deep dive into the stats of the of the UT box score from last year showed that Tex Tech had a 2% chance of winning that game. Doing that same kind of analysis that showed that Wyoming only had a 17% chance to win the game this weekend. Um, so weird things happen. We, we, we've now been on both sides of that. So... All right, you wanna wanna jump over to previewing the ducks? Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, so they are up to thirteenth in the, the latest poll. Uh, a little higher if you listen and look at uh, SP Plus. They're tenth overall. Uh, Text Tech dropped eight spots to forty fourth overall. Uh, y'all know that the ducks are led by Dan Lanning, former Georgia defensive coordinator. Uh, he's in his second season. He went eleven and three, seven and two in the Pac-12 last year. Um, they finished off the season last year beating North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl by a point, twenty-eight twenty-seven. Uh, twenty twenty-one, it was they were a ten and four team. Uh, this is the year Mario Cristobal took those results and moved off to Miami. Twenty twenty, they were four and three. Twenty nineteen, twelve and two. So they've won a lot of games past few years. Um. Michael mentioned it. They absolutely housed Portland State this last weekend, eighty-one to seven. They were the first team to put up eighty points. Um, I think in like four or five years, uh, in an FBS uh, game, it was fifty to seven at the half. Um, they had thirteen drives total. They scored the touchdowns on the first nine drives of their of their first nine possessions of their game uh, and scored on total 11 of their first, sorry, on their first 11 drives. Um, Michael Fine, they didn't punt until drive number 12, which was in the fourth quarter with about six minutes remaining. Um, starting quarterback Bo Nix played only the first half and a drive in the third quarter. 
Uh, in that time, he was 23 of 27, good for 85% completion, 287 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Did not rush the ball, although last season he was the, I believe he's the third leading rusher in terms of yards on the team. Um, and because of the the quality of, of, of the opponent, like you don't really know what you're going to get on the defense. That's the one uh, question mark for this team, which we'll get to in a little bit, is what this defense is going to look like. Um, they allowed a touchdown early to Portland State in the second drive, but that was it. Um, and it looked like they played their entire roster. They even had two different kickers kick extra points. Uh, they were 10 of 10 on the day. I think the first guy went six of six. The second guy went four of four. Um, offensively for the Ducks, they are number five overall. S&P plus Texas Tech defense dropped down to the seven seven seventy seven. Uh, but they are breaking in a new coordinator. Uh, last coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, left, uh, became the youngest head coach in the FBS uh, when he took over the, the job at Arizona State. They hired the UTSA offensive coordinator, Will Stein. Um, but, man, they are loaded on offense, Michael. They return... Yeah. They return their quarterback, their top three running backs their top outside receiver, their top inside receiver, their top tight end. Um, and as if that wasn't enough, they landed three key wide receiver transfers, including a former five-star receiver in Gary Bryant, who was transferring in from USC. Um, I was hopeful for half a second when I saw they, they had to replace four or five offensive linemen from 2022. Um, but Michael, let me tell you who they're replacing these guys with. Um, one of them is going to be the number one offensive tackle from 2022 is a five-star guy, Josh Connerly. Um, another one will be a, the number three rated transfer tackle from this last recruiting cycle. Uh, and a Johnny Cornelius coming from Rhode Island. Yes, it is FCS, but he was very highly rated. Um, and then they're getting a seasoned veteran and a university of Texas transfer junior and Gallo who played in 34 games for the Horns. Um, didn't play last year due to injury, but uh, played a ton down here in Austin. Here, down in Austin. I have I have something else because that was one of our points last year, or last year, last week. You had looked up the offensive line at Wyoming mm-hmm. and saw how much that they had uh, changed since last season. And they're a run-heavy team, and you know we just thought, man, our defensive line should be able to to cook against these guys, and we were wrong. So I'm not going to look at this as a positive either, just yet, especially with who you just mentioned coming yeah. in and what they're able to do last week. Yeah. So when we talk about stats uh, for the preview here, especially for Oregon, we're we're, we're going to continue to look at last year's stats. Um, because a blowout against the FCS team is not really going to be um, all that indicative of what we can expect uh, besides trend-wise. So looking back to their 14 games, or sorry, their 13 games last season, they they threw for 285 yards per game. They rushed for 216, so 500 total yards of offense at nearly seven wow. yards per play. Um, they were stupid efficient on third downs. They 
converted 46% of their third down attempts. They were 75 of 162. Uh, they didn't attempt a ton of fourth downs, 32, uh, but they converted 20 of them. Good for just about 63%. Um, so if you get them in, if you, I mean, their offense has a 48.9% chance of converting a third down or fourth down. Um, so they're led, like we said, by Bo Nix. Last season, he was 29 of, sorry, 294 of 409, so 70% of his passes, just under 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns to five interceptions. Nope. 29 touchdowns to seven interceptions, five sacks. Um, ran the ball 89 times for 510 yards for another 14 touchdowns, which is just ridiculous. He had the most rushing touchdowns on the team. Um, so obviously it was a, a point for their offense. This is again last year with a different coordinator. Uh, they got they got close, and then it was Bo Nix time. Uh, but he carried at just about six yards per carry last year. Um, this will be his second year at Oregon. He spent three at Auburn, so he's old. Uh, it's a big win for them to get him to come back. Um, Michael, you did. Yeah, find- I listed. Okay. I listed these twenty twenty two. Yeah, these twenty twenty two stats are not quite as relevant without the same OC. But um, I just wanted to mention that his time at Oregon so far, all the stats Spencer just mentioned in his first season there are all career highs. Uh, you know, he did also have seven interceptions in 2020. That was, you know, his other lower year, but of course played less games that year. Um, five sacks is a, is a low big time. So it just kind of shows what that offensive line was able to do to protect him and what he was able to do in return. Cause you know, at Auburn, he was in the high fifties on completion percentage in the high sixties, you know, and then last year in Oregon, he's 72% because he was only sacked five times. He was sacked 50 times in three years in Auburn. Jeez. His first year was 17. Year two was 21. And then year three was was 12 year, or 12 sacks. And year two, 21 sacks in the COVID year, man. 21 sacks in 2020. Yeah, he's pretty you gotta, good. You got to really, yeah. So, it, you know, if you if you get a line behind him, which – they appear to have. I mean, I know like Spencer just pointed out, they're different guys. He's going to pick you apart, especially with um, the weapons he has, which we'll get to later. Yeah. Well, if it's not Bo Nix, uh, you know, if, if, if they're going to run the ball, it's going to be, um, so like, like I mentioned earlier, they're returning their top three running backs from last season, although Bo Nix was their third best rusher. Um, but their number one guy is scary, dude. Bucky Irving, 5'10", 195. He uh, broke 1,000 yards last year on 156 carries for five touchdowns. That doesn't like a lot. Uh, but like I said, the last OC really liked to run Knicks there uh, at the red zone. Um, their second guy, Noah Whittington, did not play this weekend against um, Portland State, but he's also returning 5'8", 210. Uh, he carried the ball 139 times last year for 780 yards, another five touchdowns. Uh, we talked about Knicks and their third string guy, uh, Jordan James, 5'10", 205, carried 46 times for 189 yards, another five touchdowns. <clears throat> they ran two more guys this weekend against Portland State, Dante Dowdle and Jaden Lamar. I don't know if you'll see either one of them. I hope not. 
Because um, either that means they're they're up big or uh, their their guys got hurt, which you don't want either one of those things to happen. Um, so behind those four guys, essentially, they're going to be trying to put up their 200 whatever yards on the ground um, that, you know, five and a half yards per carry is what they averaged last season. If they're throwing the ball, uh, they've got, like I said, their top outside receiver coming back in Troy Franklin, 61 catches last year for 890 yards, uh, 14 and a half yards per catch, nine touchdowns. They're returning their best inside receiver, Chris Hudson, who had 44 catches last year for 472, just under 11 yards per catch, didn't record a touchdown. Um, their third leading receiver, Chris Chase Coda, sorry, Chase Coda, is actually the only guy on here that has actually left, uh, is gone. Uh, he, he had 36 catches for just about 500 yards, 14 yards per catch, three touchdowns. Their tight end that they returned, Terrence Ferguson, 6'5", 255, 32 catches, 391 yards, 12 yards per catch, five touchdowns. And then uh, Gary Bryant Jr., the five-star, the guy that transferred in from USC. Uh, career-wise for the, the Trojans, he had 53 catches for 645 yards, 12.2 yards per catch, and seven touchdowns. Um, Franklin and Bryant, I think, both had 100 yards this weekend against Portland State. Um, Irving had like 100 yes, yards did. on the ground. So this is all like in a, a half worth of action. On well, Irving had 119 yards on four carries. That's that's good to know. That's fun. Um, yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. So they throw for 285 yards per game, uh, 8.6 yards per attempt. They run 216 yards per game, five and a half yards per carry. Said this, they convert. 48.9% of their third and fourth down conversion, uh, third and fourth down attempts. And last year they put up almost 40 points per game. Uh, Texas Tech defensively gave up 257 passing yards at 7.9 yards per attempt, 169 yards on the ground, 4.3 yards per carry, 38% conversions on third and fourth downs, and gave up 30 points per game. So... Uh, offensively, it could be a big night. Are you trying to talk me out of a win? No, no, I'm, I'm, I haven't even got to the defense yet, Michael. This is where the this is where the 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 possibility lies: it's the Texas Tech offense versus the Oregon defense. Okay, maybe. Uh, defensively, they are number thirty sixth S and P plus team. Um, Texas Tech offense down a little bit, but they're 22nd. So 22nd ranked offense versus the 36th ranked defense. Um, well, if you want to talk about the, 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 the Texas Tech defense for a second, going back to Wyoming, it was, uh, what were they? 77th. They were like 66th last week against the 119th offense, and you saw what happened. Uh, so now we're going up against the number five offense. Okay, defensively. Um, they are led by Tosh Lapoy, a defensive coordinator. Chris Hampton's a co-DC. Um, but with Lanning as a head coach, like they're really trying to get back to what they, they were doing at Georgia, uh, going back to 2021 when they were just destroying people. 
like everybody likes to say, they want to disguise their coverage and pressure. So they'll bring six guys and then drop two of them back into coverage. They'll bring guys in late. Um, however, last year, the Oregon Ducks pass rush yielded the fewest sacks in a season since 1986. Um, their linebackers struggled in coverage. Their safeties were another weakness. Uh, and overall, they graded out, the defense did, as the 43rd best defense in 63 Power 5 teams in 2022. So if you if there's a chink in the armor, uh, it's going to be on their defense. They gave up um, 256 passing yards per game, 126 yards on the ground. Um, they allowed teams to convert a ton of third and fourth downs. Um, teams were converting 47% of their third downs against the Ducks, 50% of the fourth downs. Um, they've got decent returning production uh, returners, uh, not like Wyoming where they were just stacked everywhere, um, but where they aren't stacked with returners, they are looking to fill those with either five-star recruits, big-time transfers, or Michael, the unicorns that are both. So what you'll see um, defensively from the Ducks, they were on a three-man front, very similar structure-wise to Texas Tech. They'll have a, a defensive tackle, nose tackle, and defensive end. Those guys, so their tackle is going to be Casey Rogers, 6'5", 305. He's got almost 80 career tackles and one-and-a-half sacks. He's a returner. Their nose guy is going to be Popo Malve butchering these names i'm so sorry six three three fifteen guy um six he's 69 career tackles three and a half sacks he's a returner uh defensive end is a monster jordan birch six six two ninety 108 career tackles four and a half sacks uh as a former five-star uh recruit transfer in from south carolina so one of those guys where they weren't a big time contributor for oregon so they went out and got a five-star or a, a, a big-time contributor for another team. Um, the Russian, Mateo Ugalele, uh, 6'5", 270, former five-star guy, flipped from USC, I believe is a brother of the now Oregon State quarterback, DJ, uh, former Clemson quarterback. Because with a name like that, they've got to be related, right, Michael? I would think so. I was trying to see if, if that little pause there was you trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. Ugalele. That's probably not it at all. Uh, no, I think I, <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Um, other key contributors on the defense, look at the, the linebackers, uh, inside guy, Connor Sowell, 6'1", 230, 57 tackles, um, one pass defended, one forced fumble. He was a four-year starter in Arizona State. Outside linebacker Jeffrey Bassa, 6'2", 230, 105 career tackles, three sacks, two interceptions, a four, former high four-star safety. Um, he's a third-year uh, player for the Ducks. Uh, their defensive backs, I think, again, if you're looking at, at, at the offensive line, there's a, a, a group that they had to replace a ton. Um, but with a program like Oregon, they're able to replace with some, some blue blood blue chip type guys. So the returner back there is going to be a, a cornerback in bridges, six, three, 200. Um, but the guys that got around him to, to come in, 
the cornerback Kyrie Jackson's a former Alabama guy. He was number one JUCO cornerback, 6'3", 195. He'll be a senior this year. Um, safety, Taishim Johnson's 5'10", 195. Uh, transfer from Ole Miss, but uh, in 2021 at Ole Miss, he was a freshman All-American. Um, and then Dante Manning is a another safety defensive back, 5'10", 185, nearly a five-star guy, so... If you're gonna if you're gonna be successful, it's gonna be your offense versus their defense. I, I believe. Um, offensively for Tech, uh, you know, we average 300 passing yards per game at just under 70 yards per attempt, almost 160 rushing yards a game at just under four yards per carry. Uh, Texas Tech is uh, converting 42 percent of their third and fourth down conversions and putting up 34 points per game. Defensively, they the Ducks surrendered 256 passing yards, 7.1 yards per attempt, 126 rushing yards, four yards per carry. Um, they do, like I said, give up uh, 47. Sorry, conversions on 47 percent of their third and fourth down attempts, and 27 points per game. Um, did we lose Michael? Michael, you still there? Okay. Well, as Michael is working to rejoin, um, y'all will remember that this weekend is a stripe out of the stadium. Um, where the odd sections and students are instructed, asked to wear red, and then even sections will wear white. There is our, There are a few small um, differences. It's not just straight like that. There are, um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, golly. Um, Exceptions. That's the word. Good gravy. Uh, a few exceptions there. Um, be sure to check out your ticket stub, obviously, and the stripe out information for um, exactly what color to wear. Um, I do know that with the the south end zone seating um, being down now, the the capacity of the stadium is down to like fifty three thousand. Uh, the going band is going to be moved into that far southeast corner section uh, that will be right there up against the visitor ramp. Um, we saw some pictures of them getting used to their new location. Um, I, I believe they've got enough space there for their, their full band. I don't think they have to, to adjust um, the size of the band or anything like that, but they were, they were uh, rehearsing in the stadium, getting used to that new spot. Um, if you remember before the band was moved to the south end zone, it was a couple sections over, but they're going to be in the corner. And I believe, if I remember correctly, that will be their new permanent home even after the south end zone opens up. All right, looks like Michael is back. Michael, can you hear us? Can you respond? I can hear you. Can you hear me? There he is. 
All right. You didn't miss anything, man. Hello. We were talking about the stripe out and then uh, starting to touch on the, the okay. seating restructure. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was wrapping up the last pieces of the statistical preview. Um, the other thing I wanted to share, and I, I need to open it up and get the video ready uh, because the new LED system, because LED lighting system at the stadium is up and ready to go. They tweeted like a, a teaser video of its capabilities and it's fan freaking tastic. I can't wait. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to play it to show everybody that's on the stream and Michael, the capabilities, and then we'll talk about it in a second. If you're listening to it, um, there, I, I, I may just cut out a section where there's no silence, but, um, anyways, let's, uh, let me pull this up and then, uh, and then we'll. Hey, while you're doing that, did you talk anything about the what they're closing off for the ends? No, that, that that's a good point. Um, like that's that that whole like walking section south of the stadium um, between the the south end zone seating and the indoor practice facility. Uh, all that will be closed off. You won't be able to walk through there. So if you're used to crossing over from one side of the other stadium to the other. Uh, you won't be able to do it there. Obviously, you won't be able to go from inside the stadium from, you know, through, through the south end zone uh, in front of what used to be those those offices, you know, under the double T scoreboard. All that's going to be closed off. You need to get around. You have to go around the north side, uh, which would be quite a hike. But just plan for that. I think, I believe it, isn't that 6th Street officially? Yes, I think so. Okay. Uh yes. Is is my screen, is it showing the right one? It is. Okay. I'm going to hit play on this, Michael. Uh, I don't know if there will be any sound. If there is, hooray. I don't think you need it. But I want to I get your, your reaction afterwards on the capabilities of this new system and what you think. All right. You ready? Let's do it. First off, I <laughs> uh, didn't realize how loud that was going to be. So if I blew out your eardrums, so sorry. Um, Michael, I assume you're able to see that or you have seen it. Yes. Okay. I um, had not seen that uh, until until I watched it just now. One, uh, those aren't special effects. That wasn't just some kind of trick of the editing. That's uh, actual lights lighting conditions changing within the stadiums. And I'm, I'm so used to like the, the old standards that like you turn the lights on, it would take 20 minutes for the things to warm up. And if power got knocked out or whatever, 
there's a there's a delay there. But with LED, man, you can flash those things on and off. Um, you can time up some some really cool uh, celebrations and shows, even or uh, little graphics, or whatever you want to call those uh, animations. Um, I. I think it'd be really cool. It's going to be too light before the game to get any kind of like pre-game stuff where you'd actually notice anything. Um, but as the night goes on, as the sun sets, as, the, as it gets later, um, some of those celebrations could be really, really cool. I think. Yeah. I, I like what they were able to do with, the, they could almost, it was almost like the, um, the lights themselves were pixels and they could just kind of generate their own little animation. Uh, and, and all I could tell, I think they're red and white for the most part, which is yeah. great. I think that'll accommodate just about anything, most anything we would need. And I'm sure they're going to use them for touchdown celebrations or, you know, they've got to have something up their sleeve for that. It looks like that's what they're really built for. But yeah, I mean, just to kind of modernize the stadium and make sure the Jones is keeping up with the Joneses and whatnot. I, I think it's going to be a really cool feature. Yeah, man. Uh, I kind of wish we had a, I mean, we'll see it probably on, on a much better display next week against Tarleton state. Uh, but let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up the preview section. Uh, give you our, our thoughts and predictions on the game itself. Uh, so y'all can, can flame us when we're wrong and we can rub in your face when we're right. But as of tonight, September 5th, Oregon is a six and a half point road favorite. Tech is a home dog. Over under set at 66 and a half, which is a good 17 points higher than the line was at Wyoming or 13 points higher. So I think they're expecting a little bit more offensive firepower in this game. Um, In terms of like a prediction, give me uh give me Oregon to win this thing, give me Oregon to to cover. Um and man, like until I see it, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing um that it's really gonna be all that close after what I saw against Wyoming last week. So my my prediction is gonna be way different because well, no, it's really not. I'm just picking a score instead. So, same thing, though. Uh, I am picking Oregon to win and to cover, unfortunately. I, I was kind of hoping I wouldn't feel that way. By the time I got to this point, I'm really trying not to dwell on what happened at Laramie to an extent. But seeing what I've seen from Oregon last year, and, you know, yes, let's discount a lot of what they were able to do Saturday. Even with that, they are really, really dynamic offense. Highlights, and of course, like we always talk about on this podcast, highlights are exactly what they are. But he can throw it 50 feet, I mean 50 feet, 50 yards in the air easy. I mean, that's that's nothing for him. He does it all the time. He can uh, he can scramble. He's didn't have to do that at all against Portland State, but he could sure do it against Texas Tech this weekend. Pick up first downs. Uh, you know, Spencer's talked about how prolific he was at rushing the ball, so he's a threat no matter what. And you know, the guys he's handing it off to, the guys he's throwing it to, are also threats. And 
like Spencer said, you know, the defense is not, I mean, they're still ranked S and P plus, you know, they're, they're 40 spots above Texas tech. Yep. So the offense played last week. I don't like those odds at all. And so I'm, Basically, coming back 45-35, I think Tech's going to be able to score on them. I do. You think the offense will have a bit of a Oregon offense when they come into town? I'm, you know, like I said, I'm really trying to do this without just still having the sting of, of Laramie. But, you know, what I saw there, going two and a half hours of real time without scoring against a Mountain West team that you spotted 17 points and, and you just you just couldn't get it done. I, I know that we've gone through what, what all happened there, but hopefully it was a fluke. Hopefully all of the things that, you know, the, the defensive penalties and all the other things that kind of added up to, uh, to a law. And the, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Yeah, I, I think if did if, if you can even save my score, I know I just talked did. for a while. No, you did. Uh, and and we're, okay. we may be having some connection issues, but yeah, I I heard it, it was 45 30, 35 for the Ducks. Um, and and you know I I if you can play and and eliminate or at least reduce some of those discipline type of penalties. Um, if you can force turnovers, um, if your offense is, you know, better at home this week, like it, you could be in this game competitive in a spot to win it. Um, but I've also been burned enough by buying into the hype, <laughs> namely this past weekend. Like I, I, I need to see it first. I need to see it even consistently to, to believe it. Um, because what I saw, like if that happens again, or even if, even if it's remotely similar, I mean, it's, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be out of hand, man. Um, I don't want that to happen. I don't, I'm not expecting it to be, um, you know, I'm not expecting to get embarrassed, but like, I do think you know, there, there's room for improvement. I don't think the team is as bad as what we've seen um, in Wyoming, but like it was just it was just one week, but it's, we only have one game sample size here. So would love to to see the improvement, have something great to talk about. Um, even if it's a disappointing loss, a close loss, um, you know, it would, it, would, it would sting. That would really suck uh, if it was close. But... Um, you know, if it's, if it's like within a score late um, and you have an opportunity to tie or, 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 or take the lead in this, this game and like that, that's going to be positive. I don't want to be like, um, you know, looking for moral victories here, but if you're able to, 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 to be competitive in this game, especially if it's a huge improvement from week one to week two, I think there's, there's going to be some things to, uh, 
to to find some confidence in and then look for and say, okay, you're going to get right, obviously, with Tarleton State. Um, then you've got your schedule the way it lines out, you know, opportunities to to put together a pretty good year two for Joey McGuire. All right, Michael, you ready to talk about the rest of the Big 12? I am. Can you hear me? I can. Sorry okay. that they're having Sorry. some internet I, connections. I tried issues. a different router. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not for sure if it's on my end or what, but we'll, we'll see if this goes a little better. It's all right, man. It's going to be okay. Um, Thank you. Let's uh, start with Friday night. Illinois at Kansas. Michael, you think... Uh, is there any confidence shaken in uh, big game Burt's performance last week? Is he going to be able to bring that on the road into Lawrence and uh, impose their will on the Jayhawks? Or is uh, or, or are Jayhawks going to be able to pull off the, the win there? They are, they are, they're actually favored to win this game, the Jayhawks are. I know. I was about to say, can we appreciate that for a minute? There's a power five team. There's a big 10 team Mm -hmm. coming to Lawrence and Lawrence has such a home field advantage that Kansas is favored in the game. I just really appreciate that. Um, I'm really not trying to be funny or anything. It's that's just kind of cool to see. I was double checking to make sure I didn't write that down wrong. Sorry. That's why I'm just kind of stalling here. So yeah, Kansas minus three hosting Illinois. Give me the Jayhawks, man. Yeah, man. Love to hear that. Give me the Jayhawks to win and cover. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this could be a really exciting game, uh, especially if Kansas uh, ends up winning this. So, yeah, same thing. Like with the line only at three, give me uh, same Kansas to win and cover. Um, Saturday, you got Utah going to Waco. Somehow, Utah's only a touchdown favorite here. Um Maybe they're discounting the weirdness that happened to Waco last week and, and it was more of a fluke. Um, but Utah took care of business at home against Florida, which was pretty impressive outing for them. Uh, at least for me, give me Utah to win and to cover. Absolutely. I mean, Baylor is starting their second-string quarterback this week. That's right. Shaven got uh, hurt early, or at least uh, in the game wasn't able to come back. Right. And as you pointed out, I mean, Utah dominated Florida. So I, I don't, and that's, that's exactly what will bite you in the butt is looking at this and thinking, Oh, that's a no brainer, but that's still what I'm going to do. I I would take Utah at minus seven and a half. Troy at Kansas state, uh, a bunch of points here for Kansas state, but 16 and a half, uh, give me the wildcats to win and to cover. I might take Troy just to be different one, but also that is a lot of points. So yeah, that's a lot of points, especially for, for K state. And that doesn't mean that I have any doubt that they'll win. It's just, they, they win differently. Yep. Uh, FCS opponent, Southern Utah going up to Provo. Uh, obviously there's no line there. So easy pickings for BYU to win this one. Iowa at Iowa state. Somehow I was only a four-point favorite. This probably has to do with their offense being absolutely atrocious. I do remember hearing, um, I don't know if, you, if you've seen this, Michael, their offensive coordinator, I think it's Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian, 
they put some uh, performance-related incentives and maybe even uh, stipulations that, like, you have to have 25 points per game. I think he has to average 25 points per game, otherwise you're going to fire him this year. Um, and they were expecting um, them to, to, I think they were playing Utah State, that they were going to have to, like, blow them out and, and run the score up to, to help kind of pad that, that number. They scored, 20, they scored 24 points last week. Um, four points may be a lot in this game, but Iowa State also doesn't have an offense. Literally no offense. No. And Iowa State has lost this game six out of the last seven times. Make it seven of the last eight. Give me the Hawkeyes. Yeah, and I'll have them cover too, even though it's going to be like a push with the scores 11 to 7. Uh, SMU driving up to Oklahoma, 16 and a half points here. Oklahoma, man, they they blew out their opponent too, but um, I mean, as a as a Big 12 ACC matchup, I'm kidding. It would be an SEC ACC matchup now. Um, again, 16 and a half is a lot of points. Oklahoma's offense is capable of that, though. Give me the Sooners to win and to cover. Me too, because I don't think I picked... Oh, maybe I did. I can't remember if I picked OU to cover last week or not, but they did emphatically. So this is in Norman. I'm going to say they cover again. Um, Duquesne at West Virginia. No line there. West Virginia is going to win this one. Um, this one's interesting to me, Michael. Cincinnati going on the road to Pitt. Pitt is a touchdown favorite, seven and a half points. Um, but if you'll remember from our Big 12 preview, Cincinnati did what I, what I told you they were going to do. Man, their uh, their quarterback Emory Jones, Big Twelve Player of the Week, fits this offense. Right, fits that offense like a glove. Pitt doesn't have Keaton Slovis. Uh, BYU does. Um, are they going to be good enough to keep it within a, a touchdown, though, Michael? Well, did I'm trying to figure this out. So, did Cincinnati? What did they do last week? I'm looking at it. They, oh yeah, they walloped Eastern Kentucky 66 to 13, including two quarters where they scored 21 points each quarter. That was the first two quarters. So they were up 42 7 at half. Uh, I, I would take, I mean, because Penn State, what did they do to West Virginia last week? Let's see. 38 to 15. Mm hmm. And it was not, you know, it was 14 to 7 at halftime, um, 21 to 7 at the end of the third. So it really didn't get out of hand till the fourth necessarily. Okay. I, I would I would take Cincy in the points on this just to be interesting. I, I would take them. I don't know if they'll win, but um I don't know if I don't know if Penn State could cover seven and a half there, but we'll see. Cincinnati scored the first 35 points of their game. Um, yeah, I mean, I let's see. Yeah, I 
in a fun one, give me Cincinnati to win a close one, but Pitt to cover. Ooh. How about that? Ooh. Texas at Alabama. Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite. Um, again, I I don't want to like compare ourselves too closely uh, because Texas won their game. But I think they struggled a little more uh, than they would have liked to have seen. Um, I would like to believe that's more of a, an indication of their program, much more so than Texas Tech's was against Wyoming. So give me Alabama to win and to cover just for fun, just for funsies. <laughs> I, I'm. I feel the same way. I mean that. I watched quite a bit of the first half of the UT and Rice game, and it was a really good game to just kind of nap to. And so that was that was a lot of what I did. I, I think I think I fell asleep a little bit, but then UT came out, twenty one points in the third quarter. I mean, just put it away completely. So I do think Bama is just a different animal, and I, I think that they're first kind of road trip to the sec is not going to, is not going to go too well for him. And I, I think that's a pretty big spread. Honestly, it's hard for me to pick them to win by that much, but I'm going to, I'm still going to take Bama to cover. I would, I mean, four and a half, I wouldn't think about it, but seven and a half seems like a lot. This is probably my, my hate, like against Texas. If Bama wins by 10, that would feel like a close game. Probably. But they would have covered that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Houston going across town rival Rice. Uh, they are a 10-point favorite. Um, Donovan Smith didn't look too bad. The numbers don't don't really hold that out. Like His QBR was pretty low for week one. Uh, but they did take care of UTSA. Um, he Smith threw for 233 yards, two touchdowns, and their win... Um, I mean, the, the, this feels so weird to talk about Donovan Smith because he was he was my guy for for a minute. Twenty two of thirty four, two hundred thirty three yards, six point nine yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions. This QBR was sixty four. Um, well, and you know, UTSA. I didn't know this till we started recording. Their their offensive coordinator from last year is Eugene. Yep. So I, I had no idea about that, and that might explain a couple of things because they only managed 14 points, and you know one of those touchdowns was in the fourth quarter. And I feel like they've been a little bit more prolific on offense. I don't know if Houston's defense has stepped up that much, but I, I do think Houston will take care of business against the Owls, um, and I would go ahead and pick them to cover. Yeah, UTSA is hosting Texas State. That one could be fun, um, although yes. UTSA is a – Two touchdown favorite. Um, but yeah, Houston and Rice. Houston's. Well, where I'm seeing on the ESPN app is actually a 10 point favorite now. So I don't know if, if you got it from ESPN or somewhere else. Probably somewhere else. Probably somewhere legitimate. Um, I don't oh, know and I got them. Yeah, I filled those out during lunch from the action app. So that yeah, could be probably, something I missed. Yeah. Uh, Give me Houston to win the cover. UCF, big road trip going out to Boise. Only a three and a half point favorite. Um, that's a big trip though from Orlando to Boise. Um, what's the what's the altitude of Boise, Michael? Do you know this? Ooh, I'll find out. I'll find out um, because uh, we need to look at. Well, is it altitude or is it elevation? Elevation. 
There you go. Um, so Boise State elevation. 2,700 yeah. feet. It's actually lower than Lubbock. Yes. But when you're starting at zero. Starting at zero. Only way to go is up. It's pretty, it's pretty high. <laughs> um, are they going to have elevation issues? No, probably not. Um, but that is such a long trip. I am buying into their performance last week. I'm a believer in the UCF Knights. Give me them to win and to cover. I'm going to be different. I'm going to pick Boise State to cover, but possibly lose. Okay, so UCF money line, Boise State, the points. Yeah. yeah. Nichols at TCU. Do the Horn Frogs get right, Michael? <laughs> I think so. I, th- I think they'll take care of business. Same. Final game on the slate, Oklahoma State. Can they overcome the worst QBR performance of the Big 12 last week from Alan Bowman after I think turning 19.5 at Arizona State? The Cowboys are a three-and-a-half-point favorite in the desert. You know, I kind of, since we're not playing them, and I, I just kind of feel like that Doc Holiday where he's standing next to somebody in Tombstone and he's like, oh, I forgot you were there. Uh, that's kind of how I feel like with Oklahoma State already, and it's week one. It's just kind of I don't know what they're up to. I didn't know anything of what you just said about how they did last week. I couldn't remember who they played. Um, I didn't know if Bowman did well or not. It's just kind of weird. Uh, I'm OU's more on my radar, which is strange because I don't, I don't understand why that is. I guess just because it's their last year. So Oklahoma, we don't State- play them either. Oklahoma State defeated Central Arkansas, Michael, 27 to 13. But Arizona State's not very good. Are they better than Central Arkansas? Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I would say so. <laughs> I, I didn't watch the game, and I'm not, I'm not going into, I'm not going to deep dive this. As expected, or at least as as uh, Gundy told us, all three quarterbacks played. Alan Bowman, he had the most attempts. He was 13 of 24 for 80 yards, 3.3 yards per attempt. As QBR was 19.3. Garrett Rangel, 10 of 15 for 118 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And then Gunnar Gundy, 7 of 9 for 106 yards. If, they're, if they had one guy... Uh, compile these stats 30 of 48 for 304 yards one touchdown one interception like that wasn't that bad but when you break it out over three guys especially when you get alan bowman here barely completing 50 percent of his passes like wow kind of sucks yeah i mean the completion percentage is not that great but for the 30 of 48 you know it's not terrible but yeah unfortunately unfortunately bowman was responsible for most of that i do think let me see. What was it? Just because I don't want them to, I'm going to pick them to win and cover. Yeah, probably. Because that's probably that's probably what will happen. So Oklahoma State, minus three and a half. Sure. Let's see. What did Arizona State do last week? Uh, good gravy. They beat Southern Utah 24-21. That's Oh, and that's who's atrocious. going to BYU. Yep, going up to Provo. All right, give me Oklahoma State to win and cover that one. All right, so we have our Big 12 picks in. We have our Texas Tech preview and predictions in. Um, anything else football 
related, Michael, you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up? Not really, man. I, I'm still excited about this game. I think Tech has a still they they still have a chance. They could do something special, but uh, Oregon, that that may be one of those opponents you look at at the end of the year and go, wow, they really were something. <laughs> so um, maybe it'll turn out to be a little bit of both. Yeah, but maybe. Still excited about Saturday. I've I've washed off the the hate from and the hurt from Saturday slash early early Sunday morning, and. I'm ready to be heard again. All right, let's uh, wrap this up with what we learned. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. What do we learn, Michael? Um, I, it's probably just the product of the scheduling and how you performed last week. It's been a long time. I can't remember last time. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't have the best memory right now. When the last time text tech opened up on the road, <clears throat> it's been a while. Um, but it feels weird to already have a game in before you, you play at home. Uh, and even worse, that game was a loss. 
uh, more so that you should have won that game or you we were expected to win that game. So just we're just in a weird spot, man. I, uh, football season started, but Texas Tech hasn't played at home yet. Um, I missed part of the game when we were driving and we weren't like able to watch the whole thing. Like I had to stream it from my phone in the car. Um, need to figure out like, are we going to, are we going to make some, some tailgate foods here at the house? We're not going to the game. So are we going to indulge in, in that way? Things that should be figured out at this point are not up in the air. And I'm, I'm feeling like it's a bad omen, man, all the way around. Maybe it's just a last second decision and it'll be, it'll be great. We went somewhere on Saturday that had the, they had HEB's brisket queso. Ooh. And, and you know what? I thought of you <laughs> like the first. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love you. I love you, brother. But no, I, I, I really did. I was like, ah, man, Spencer would like that. The delicious brisket queso that they have at HEB. But, um, so there you go. That, that that was like a sign. Maybe that's that means maybe you should just go pick that up, and then you'll probably be inspired beyond that. So the only problem with, with queso is you need something to dip it on, dip it in, dip with it, dip into it. Um, trying to Celery. reduce. I don't, that feels weird though, right? It would be. It absolutely would be. That sounds like a. I don't know why I said that. That kind of made me I think, throw up a little bit. I think Samantha said pita chips aren't really that bad. But like tortilla chips, maybe. I don't know. Um, it's just trying to be good, man. We're trying to, to be healthy and, and, and conscious and all that kind of stuff. I know it's kind of difficult around special events and celebrations and trying to go big, like tailgating and college football and that kind of stuff. And talking about brisket, man, and getting me all excited for queso here's what you do um you go keto you just you get a bunch of pork rinds and you dip it in the queso that's good for you according so, to somebody we're we're not keto uh, official but we are keto adjacent that we we kind of we, we gear towards like when we're looking to to, to get a, a recipe a little bit more healthier, we, we look for, like, we start with, like, is there a keto version of this recipe? So. Um, so get you some cracklins. Get you some cracklins. You could even do, like, a Frito pie, just like a bed of cracklins, and just ladle a gigantic scoop of that brisket queso on top. Is, it, is this, like, is, is it sold in, like, their uh, their prepared food section? Like, uh, like you know, how United has the meals to go or whatever they're, yes. they're called? Just well, a actually, pan or know, something. Yes, it's in its own pan. Where but do I, I find can't this bad boy? I'm not exactly sure where in the store it is, but it's definitely fresh and in its own pan. All you got to do is just go home and throw it in the oven or on the smoker or whatever you feel like doing. Mm. We did. We did some meatballs. Uh, Allison had a really great raspberry chipotle sauce. So she just had some frozen meatballs, and we did that. And her mom came over and brought some Wingstop wings, which was awesome. Clutch. So we had we had some really good snacks. And then the next day, or Labor Day, this is yeah, this is what I was going to talk about was some pork tendies. Pork tendies. We did some. We did some. 
We did some pork tendies, bro. I did some, uh, got some, some tenderloins, bro. I, I, I've, done a, I've done a fair share of those this summer. Uh, and that, that's when I, oh. I refound my love for that avocado cilantro lime combination. Like yeah. there was like this sauce we made that was just freaking delicious, dude. I felt like these turned out really well, but I did myself no favors by, I should have seared them either at the very beginning or at the end because mm. the outside texture and look just did not. I just, we, we did a marinade of, uh, this is what was on the bottle of that raspberry chipotle stuff. Mm. Just a marinade of olive oil and minced garlic and rosemary. So we did that overnight. And then I just set it directly on the grill, not over the coals, but directly on the grill. And then just basted that raspberry chipotle sauce on it off and on here and there. But a lot of it came off and it just didn't look as good as it could have. It tasted excellent though. Mm. So I just good. feel like searing it would have, it it have been another dimension that I kind of missed out on. But Maybe. yeah, I got some pork tendies, bro. Got, got to get the tendies on the, on the grill. We're, uh, you know, smoking another pork butt on Friday. We're having some friends over for pulled pork. Uh, that injection method that you taught, you shared with me for the last one. Samantha said that's the best pork butt I've done. Yes. Well, okay. I, I've I want to try something different now. What, what juice did you use? Did you use apple? I, I used apple. I I, I used the, okay. the recipe you sent me. I had apple juice, water, salt, Worcestershire. Uh, well, I think it came with sugar. I think it was enough in the apple sugar. juice. Sugar. I think it, there was sugar too. Yeah. Well, but, I I, um, I made it to, to the recipe. I I ended up using between a third and a half of what it ended up mixing as an injection because I couldn't get any more. I'd, I'd, I'd poke the injector in. It would come out every other way. I was like, all right, I think we're full. But I poured the rest of that juice into the pan when I started to shred it. So no yes. no injection went to waste. Well, I went to... Um, so after I made my pork tendies for lunch, my mother-in-law was having a get-together at her house and a guy had gotten a grill recently What's one of the brand names? Something Boss, Pit Boss, Pit Boss. Maybe it, it's a it's a pellet grill, mm -hmm. and he was using a he was using a stick burner already. So he's like, man, this thing's just. He's got the app. He's got all sorts of cool stuff on it. He just loves it. So he already knew what he was doing for sure. Anyway, he shows up with brisket, with pulled pork already done, and then on my mother in law's grill, he cooked this. There was somebody brought like a giant tomahawk steak. So he just was like, okay, sure. I'll cook that. Cause he was cooking some chicken for some other people too. <laughs> so anyway, this guy killed it. Here, he was awesome. To somebody else's house and use their grill. Well, that was what it was like. They, Oh yeah. Okay. Well he's, he's grilling some chicken. Okay. Well I've got this giant tomahawk steak. I'll bring that too. And I'm sure he was like, Oh, okay. So anyway, uh, he had his pulled pork. I had to ask him how he did it because it was excellent too. And he did a brine in pineapple juice. Mm -hmm. And so I have been wanting to use pineapple juice for my injection for the longest time, but I always just went with apple juice because we usually just have it. Pork around. and pineapple go well together. Yes. And know. so 
all that. I, I went seven minutes to tell you about how pineapple juice may be what I try next when I do that injection, and I, I feel pretty good about it. Probably need to yeah, get his his pulled pork was awesome, and I mean his brisket, everything he cooked was great. Probably need to get like a no pulp pineapple juice, but don't oh, yeah. clog up well, the injector. When I asked him about his brisket too, because I knew he didn't just do the the you know half and half salt and pepper rub, and he said he was kind of sheepish about it. He's like. I used the Fiesta brand brisket rub. I was like, I didn't even know they made one. They and do. I love they Fiesta do. brand stuff. Mm-hmm. He was like, he was like, that was what it was. I said, man, that was, it was pretty darn good. No free ads, really but the it. Raider Red Meats brisket rub is pretty good too. Oh, and their steak seasoning. I love it. I, I love their steak seasoning. I had some of that tonight. We made uh, we made burgers in the grill. I, I put some of those on the burgers. It's good stuff. All right, man. That's enough food talk. I know that's that's our our yeah, roots here, but that'll do it for us on this here twenty three personal podcast. Um, home opener this weekend: Oregon Ducks. New lighting system stripe out happening. Let's uh let's get some good vibes going for the team, Michael. Let's get back on the right side. Um, Anyways, this has been your preview. We'll be live for post-game instant reaction here on YouTube. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.